at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday, March 7. As I know we keep saying every Sunday morning, another big day has just passed the post, of course, with the Newmarket and Australian Cup Day at Flemington and a big day at Royal Randwick with the Group 1 Randwick Guineas and the Group 1 Canterbury Stakes. Action, of course, in Adelaide and Brisbane as well. Nathan Exelby joins us this morning. Nathan, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks, David. And a few blowouts amongst those big races, weren't there? Certainly were. We'll talk more about uh, the two-year-olds in detail, but I think it's worth uh, mentioning at the start this golden slipper picture, whereas, well, I know I was saying about two or three weeks, or well, three or four weeks ago, you know, two hopes, one or the other, <laughs> the, 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 the picture changes every week. That's right, and everyone was saying, well, we'll go into the Todman and we'll have a clear-cut golden slipper favourite after whoever wins the Todman will be golden slipper favourite. Well, that's not the case. No, exactly right. Let's get straight into it. And uh, also this morning as well, uh, we'll have a chat with Nicole Thomas from TAB headquarters, just see what's happening with the betting on the Adelaide Cup. Big day there tomorrow. It's a public holiday and it's uh, one of their biggest days of racing at Morfordville. I'm sure they're going to have a, a good crowd. I know it's capped, but there's always great atmosphere. We'll talk more about the Adelaide Cup later. And a little further down the track, a special tribute as well, a special tribute as well, which I'd like you to stay around and have a listen to. But first up, let's go to Flemington. And we'll go to the Group 1 Tab Australian Cup. Big field and an exciting finish. It's best of days and parody from Holmesman and then Chapada at the clock tower. Best of days just in front of parody. Holmesman still coming then to fibrillate. Holmesman moves up to best of days at the 100. Best of days and Holmesman. Best of days and Holmesman. Holmesman with the music man cheering above and also best of days a photo. Holmesman and best of days a photo. Maybe Holmesman. Then came Chapada prominent for third. For fourth, a wall of them to fibrillate. Angel of Truth and parody and then still. Prince San Herberto, 50 stars, Miami bound to fibrillate, platoon non-conformist, humidor warning and Harlem. It was an exciting finish, all right, and a very tense struggle between best of days, Holmesman, Holmesman best of days, and Holmesman looked as though he always had best of days covered, and it was only just the last bound the best of days put it on the dive, but the margin was in favour of Holmesman by a nose for the uh, team Freeman. Uh, Anthony and Sam Freeman and Jai McNeil, of course, who we saw with the Melbourne Cup last year. Uh, Nathan, great race for a Group 1. It was a spectacle and a half. It continues a sort of recent theme of blowouts in the Australian Cup, David. The three of the past four winners have been very big prices. But also, of course, there was the in the, the nostalgia element of, of it uh, attached to that win yesterday with, with Michael Gudinski being a part owner of Homesman and... Oh, gee, we see that so often in, in racing, things pan out like that. We do, not just in racing, but life in general. Anyway, whatever the the, uh, the reason being, Holmesman was the winner. And Sam Freeman is our first guest this morning on Past the Post. Sam, good morning. Congratulations. Morning, guys. Thanks very much. Being a bit of a habit, we spoke to you after Artorias won the Blue Diamond. Nathan was just mentioning about Holmesman being a, a blowout in terms of price, $26. Did you think that he was disrespected of the market? Uh, yeah, look, he probably was. I mean, he, he started, um, I think he started favourite at first up this prep and he wasn't beaten far. He was first up in the, uh, PD Young Stakes. Parody was obviously the winner and, and she was nearly favourite yesterday. So yeah, the market probably just missed him. I mean, he was probably one of the most, he was probably the most proven weight for age mm. 2000 metre horse in the race. 
there yesterday, but um, I suppose it's easy to overlook a horse that's getting on in age and, um, yeah, I suppose they just did. It's, it's always easy for us in hindsight to say, oh, how did it start that price, isn't it, Sam? But in the spring, he, he won first up for you guys there at Mooney Valley and was really impressive. And then like, he had big weight to these next couple. But you didn't... It was, it was a sort of a campaign that came right at the end of the spring. Was there a reason that he didn't take part in the, the spring proper? Uh, look, we, we really just targeted that race at the Valley as his, um, as his main event. And, and then we ran him second up a quick backup um, at Flemington, and and he didn't. He just jarred up a touch. It was a really firm track that day. I think it was um, Cup Day, and 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 then he went, you know, ten days again to Sandown, and he ran a bolter. He, he nearly he nearly got up. So I suppose the market probably as well yesterday might have considered, you know, he can run a flat one second up, and he and he's probably not as dynamic at Flemington as he is at Caulfield and Mooney Valley. But um, yeah, it was good to sort of. Um, yeah, put that to bed. Sam, you spoke in your, your post-race commentary that uh, you had a conversation, or you and your dad had a conversation with Lloyd, Lloyd Williams, about Holmes, and he had a he had a plan. He wanted the horse ridden like a European horse, ridden wide. And I suppose it brings up the 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 topic that you know is it such a disadvantage to race wide on occasions? Because if we look at that on face value, he covered more ground than most and toughed it out to win. Yeah, well, it, it was. It was Lloyd's idea, and, and we were happy to, to take it on board because, you know, ultimately in Europe, that there's not as much stress on covering ground as there is here in Australia. You know, everyone races so tight here. Mm. Um, you watch in Europe, everyone just gives each other a bit of room, and, and generally the best horse wins over there. I mean, it's so often here you see some hard luck stories and horses held up on the rail and... Um, you know, frequently jockeys that come over from Europe make that comment that it's just so tight riding and um, not every horse gets their chance. So I suppose, particularly once we'd drawn wide yesterday, um, we were always going to have to do a bit of work wherever, wherever we were going to go. Um, and, and Lloyd just made a point of sort of mentioning, you know, let's just keep him in a nice rhythm. And sometimes I think riders can focus too much on trying to get cover and they spend... 600 metres looking around, pulling the horse around and and trying to get him in when really they should just be sitting balanced on them. So I think um, it was a tactic that certainly worked yesterday. Do you press on to Sydney now with him, Sam? Um, not too sure. We, to be honest, it was, you know, he paid the late fee to, to run yesterday. Um, you know, he wasn't initially nommed. Um, we were initially going to go to the All-Star Mile, but he, he, didn't, get, he didn't get into the field. So um, yeah, there's plenty of races in Sydney for him. You know, a race like the QE2 and um, even a Rambit, something like that, but and a Doncaster. So there's plenty of options for him. Um, so we'll, we'll give them all a bit of thought and um, probably work it out in the next week or so. Sam Holmesman probably is in his box this morning feeling a little unlucky that he didn't take top Billy because uh, the, the, the great, st- well, the sad story about this, but a great story as well was the passing of Michael Gadinsky during the week. Uh, you mentioned again post-race yesterday that your dad and Michael had a, a great association. Just give us the background of that. Yeah, well, look, it was... Um, I didn't know Michael personally, but Dad, you know, during the week we were talking about it and he said, you know, what a nice story it would be if if Hainsman could get the job done on, on Saturday. Um, I believe he was in some horses in the early 90s. Um, and and from all reports, he really... He absolutely loved it. He was, you know, a real character. 
and um, I think particularly Lee was Lee was very close with him, mm. and um, and yeah, I think it's 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 touched them all this week. You know, all my uncles and and dad. So um, it was an emotional scene there yesterday. You know, with his son Matt leading the horse in. Um, it was yeah, it felt like you know something out of a movie. Nearly, it was like everything went to script, and um, it was a very fitting finish. Sam, you spoke about having to pay a late fee to get Homesman in yesterday. Well, Artorias also needs a late fee to get in the Golden Slipper. That that picture sort of, well, it didn't become any clearer yesterday, but it certainly showed that there's not a, a dominant horse there in Sydney. How did you view yesterday's um, two-year-olds there in Sydney? And also, how's Artorias going since the Blue Diamond? Yeah, we might have to start um, sitting down and doing our nominations a little more stringently in the future, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, look, it was good to see the the Melbourne form line up. I mean, you always have your your query when they haven't really matched up yet. So, I think it probably just shows that um, you know the Melbourne two year olds are going to be right there in the slip, but they they probably you know have the wood on them really off that. Um, you know, I thought obviously Michael's horse stay inside was was pretty stiff, um, and he worked home strongly. Um, you know, he'll be very hard to beat in the slipper, particularly if, if it came up soft. Um, Profiteer will obviously improve, but I think yeah, Animo, he's been looming to to do something like that. Obviously, um, but yeah, it bodes well for Artorias. He, he's bounced out of his Blue Diamond in in great order, and um, he's going to head up to Sydney on Monday night. He'll trial on Thursday at Randwick. Luke Curry will keep the ride, and um, yeah, look, hopefully, hopefully all goes to plan. He can draw a nice gate, and I think um, I think he's actually just just continuing to improve. He's, He's put on a bit of weight. We've had to up his workload, so that's all boding well for him. Good on you, Sam. Congratulations on yesterday. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Sam Freeman joining us this morning. And that does add a, a significant piece to the, the Golden Slipper Jigsaw that Artorius is going there. And, well, as you said, Nathan, um, on that Blue Diamond winner, what we've seen subsequently, he's right in there. Yeah, there was an assumption you know, from many and probably myself included that that, that Sydney form was was a peg above, and you can see Animo, Animo come through that blue diamond and and roll those horses yesterday. Now there was excuses for the others, but it did show that there's no dominant mm. dominant one there. So if you, if you are in the Artorias camp, you would have come away from yesterday with a little bit more confidence. I would have thought. And I even think when we spoke to Sam after Artorias's win, there was no guarantee of a golden slipper. They were maybe looking at a, a size produce plan, but obviously mm. uh, things have crystallised now. But just on the Australian Cup. It was a busy finish. 50 stars was a well-baked favourite. He runs officially 10th, but oh, if you were on him in the run, you always sense danger mm. because he was you know, four or five back along the inside and then basically in traffic in this big field right up the, the long straight. That's right, and he's not a sit-in sprint horse. He's a horse that you want it to be winding up, so you're 100% right. You knew that it was going to, going to be potentially an ugly watch. Uh, it was a great spectacle, the Australian Cup. Obviously, lots has been said we don't have these... these champion middle distance horses in Australia when we do they're few and far between but a capacity field made for a pretty good spectacle there yesterday and in the end a very well credentialed um, horse won the race. Certainly did well that was a great spectacle as was our next race the other group one of the day the new market uh, the, the signature sprint race of the autumn has uh, produced champions over the decades a big field of 17 broke from the barriers and September run was the short price favourite here's the replay.
500 to go up the middle of the track. Indian Pacific led Amish boy Zutori. Prophet's thumb. They're going to merge. September run still four off the lead. And Williams is getting busy. Elite Street and also Sirius Suspect lead the charge out wide. And swats that as well with Prague. Indian Pacific at the 250 led from Amish boy Zutori. Then came swats that. Indian Pacific 100 to go. Zutori is digging in with the big weight. Zutori, the toppy, moves up, takes the lead. Won the new market. A big effort. Beat Indian Pacific Amish boy in Prague, then Prophet's Thumb and Serious Suspect, followed by Swats That Flit and Brooklyn Hustle. September run never wound up, followed by Imaging Elite Street, Bold Star, Celebrity Queen, Dallas Sand Standout, and Hell Vorson. Well, of course, Nature Strip and Bivouac, who are weighted above Zutori, uh, came out of the new market. So, so the, the weights had to go to 57. Zutori carried the top weight. And I think, uh, you know, it might mean a lot, but to carry number one saddlecloth on a new market handicap, I think is a bit of icing on the cake. Absolutely. I'm just looking at the form focus records, David, and the record of horses carrying 57 or more since introduction of metrics. It was just six winners in, in from 59 starters before yesterday. So he joined some pretty elite company, including Haylist and Black Caviar. Um, and, and, he, and he'd got to the 57 without winning that Group 1 as well. So a uh, very tidy effort to do so. He's won eight races all up, but he's won five down the straight, so he is a straight track specialist. But his win and the defeat of September run leads back to the to the next point I'm going to make. There's a lot about riding this uh, these 1,200-metre races or 1,100 or 1,000, you know, what part of the track to get to. And yesterday, uh, uh, Dean Lester, I know, and also Mark Hunter... They were a little concerned about September run, just where she drew, that that, that she could um, you know, not have the best of runs. It turned out that way, but the other factor was Curry's right. Luke Curry's right on Zutori, drew towards the inside, but navigated a very clever path, just wending his way out late in the piece. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The September run one was interesting. You know, should say the weights were raised, so she ended up with 54 kilos, which is a, a fair whack for a three-year-old filly in a new market. I think Alingi carried 53 and a half the year she won. Well, she brought a, a better credentialed record than what September run did in terms of what she'd done leading into it. So yeah, those history pages are hard to defy at times. They certainly are. Uh, but basically the first three runners, uh, Zutori, India Pacific and, and Amish Boy, came up near the inside. September run well, running officially 10th. And bookmakers did gamble with her, you know, in that last half hour. Mm. She got out to, to 280, which was the best price, well, f for s several weeks. Yeah. Well, a couple of points about those place getters. First of all, the runner-up, David, they, they just keep producing good horses out of WA. It's just it's like a production line of them. Uh, he was beaten, I think he ran fifth in a listed race over there before coming here. And, and second point, um, Amish Boy. Um, he went on a $31 chance in the Magic Millions Guineas where he runs second, and, and now he's placed in a new market at, uh, at $81. In saying that, without being too disrespectful, are you saying it wasn't a, or thinking it wasn't a vintage new market? I think that's fair to say in, in that, you know, the winners carried 57 and hadn't won a Group 1 to that point. I think he's deserving Group 1 winner, absolutely, but... Uh, I think that's, that's definitely the case that it's certainly not the, the strongest one we've, we've seen but it, it's, the sprint ranks are interested in Australia, David, we'll, we'll talk about another one, or another couple when we get to Sydney but every time you think that there's one that's going to dominate, they, they get rolled mm, Exactly Let's go to one more replay before we leave Flemington and just before we go off the Newmarket too, congratulations to Luke Curry's fourth group one this season, uh, had a long time off through injury, he, he's riding terrifically and to, uh, to Simon Zara and Matt Ellison. Been in a training partnership for some time now, and of course, 
always special to win at your home track, and that's where they train right at Flemington. Let's go to the Matron Stakes. Sovereign Award went to the front, and they never caught it. 600 to go. Sovereign Award led by five lengths to Spanish Reef who's niggled at, then Silent Sovereign and Don't Tell the Boss. Next is Quantum Mechanic who's up the middle of the track from Scarlet Dream. Then Moonlight made under the whip. Lunacorn is the widest and trying to wind up, giving a slap with the whip. 300 to go. Sovereign Award still like three lengths. Spanish Reef, Silent Sovereign, Quantum Mechanic and then Don't Tell the Boss. Sovereign Award past the clock tower. It's a long straight Flemington but she's still in front by four lengths. Quantum Mechanic, Silent Sovereign Scarlet Dream, Sovereign Award. Every poster winner is going to win it. Sovereign Award won a leg that a quarter. Quantum Mechanic Scarlet Dream, Silent Reef, Cancino. They were followed by Hint of Mint and then Moonlight made Don't Tell the Boss and Lunacorn. She was third up into the Matron Stakes. That was a, a Group 3 race. She'd failed uh, to two runs this campaign, going hard in front, but... She certainly turned it around rest yesterday because she went keenly in front again, but losing a, a well, probably getting a little tired towards the end, but never looked like losing in the straight. There was good improvement first up to, to, to second up. Obviously, first up was a probably a long race for her, but she's just getting fitter. And as you said, the video comments were led too keenly at the previous two starts this time around. But that was more in line with what she did in the spring. She she really had a restricted company to be a top top class mare in the spring, winning those couple of Group Three races, and she's she's added a third now. Things are starting to hot up in Sydney. We're starting to wind down in Melbourne. On Friday, we've got the, the William Reed. That market is not uh, uh, probably a bit too tough to, because there's a lot of the market there that won't be running. So we'll leave that to later in the week. The all-star mile market on tab is more clearly defined. And no surprise, Arcadia Queen and Probabile. Share favouritism at $3.50. Then a fair gap to a wildcard entry. Mugger 2 at $9. Then Behemoth 11. Russian Camelot 11. Star of the Seas, 13. Shout the Bar, 17. Sir Dragon A, 17. The Horovian in there, $51. Brad Stewart saying uh, uh, after last week he just didn't have any room in the straight to move, which was, that's what we thought visually, and he's not that sort of horse. But he will go around at long odds in the All-Star Mile next Saturday. Let's go to Sydney. Uh, we had today in Group 1 Canterbury Stakes Day. A good Ford track, but some spectacular times carved out. And also some close finishes. My colleague Darren Flindell had his work cut out. Seven of the nine races were virtually photo finishes. But let's go to the Group 1 Giddies. And Aegon was the favourite. It's up to $2.60. As they straighten up now, and they get each the way by a length on Pelter. Then here to shock Wheelhouse. Coming into it now, Lions Roar down the outside, getting past Aegon. Further back to King's Legacy and Prime Star. Lions Roar coming down the outside to join Harmony Rose. Wheelhouse between them, but Lions Roar is roaring away with a round with guineas and victory. Mawunga's come from a mile back to grab second in front of the Philly Harmony Rose. Then Wheelhouse from King's Legacy. Then came Aegon, perhaps not happy on the firm track today from the Eleonora. Then came Hedda Shock from Bucharest, Prime Star, Peltzer Marcinet, and North Pacific's been well beaten. First up in the Hobartville, he was second up yesterday, took a backseat roll off what was a good tempo, and plenty to like about the win. He finished brilliantly to score. Yeah, he certainly did, and uh, he, he showed this kind of potential in the spring. They weren't tempted to, to go, go further deeper after the spring champion stakes. He had a good break, come back in terrific order. You could make a case that Moonga should have won the race. I see that. His two runs for the new stable have been really outstanding, haven't they? But um, oh, I did like what the winner did. He gave them all a start and rounded them up and, and went away. I, I, you know, you'd think he'll win another good one. 
Melbourne. Harmony Rose, well, she was only second up off a benchmark 72 for Mark Newnham, and she ran very well in third. Aegon, I suppose the, the, the jury's out, and it seems to be the, the main point of conversation is that maybe he wasn't as good or as effective on a good track compared to a rain-affected track? It had to be a query yesterday with how short he was in the market. He was, he was too, too slick for them on a soft seven, but very different circumstances yesterday, especially as you pointed out, they're running really quick times at Randwick yesterday. So, I mean, he's obviously a very good horse, but they, there's very few that can keep keep that un, unbeaten record intact. Yesterday from Aegon, he was 3-1, but 3-1 with cover, so probably a pass mark run. But anyway, the, the honours were with Lions Raw. John O'Shea's John's... career path. Um, oh, sorry, you, you go on, David. Yeah, no, John's, John's joining us online now. John, good morning. Congratulations on yesterday. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's a good day. Certainly is. Now, I asked Sam Friedley, it was $26 in the Australian Cup, and uh, I said, was he disrespected in the market? Well, I'll put the same to you. Uh, Lions Raw, $26. Do you think he should be that price? Oh, look, I thought um, it was a strange quote considering that they had horses coming out of midweek races uh, ahead of him in the market, considering his first up run was very good, um, and he was always going to improve step into the miles. So... Um, there wasn't a great deal between him and Maunga when they met um, the last time, uh, it, albeit in a 64 at Newcastle, and Maunga was $5 and this horse was $26. So it panned out, and uh, we're grateful that it's worked in our favour. John, just take us back a little through the progression this horse has made. You're talking to Wagga for his first start back in April last year? It was just more a, an opportunity to get him on a big track. Um, he, he's a horse that, you know, big act. The only two races that were available for him in Sydney at the time were sort of 1,100-metre races at Gosford and Wyong and Canterbury, just tracks that weren't going to suit him. So we laid him up on a float and took him down to Wagga and give him a day out on a, on a nice big track down there. And, John, just on his uh, career, which is only very impressive, he generally was a go-forward horse in his races. Was that the plan yesterday to ride him quietly? <laughs> Well, initially when we spoke about the race, um, we thought there was an opportunity for him to slot in sort of, you know, fifth or sixth, just in behind the speed. But once um, the track started playing very fast at Randwick, everyone wanted to try and be in the same spot. So um, being that he's got a, you know, quite a few races ahead of him this campaign, we didn't want to end up having a hard, you know, negative performance today. So it was all about just letting him find his feet getting on the back of the favourite, which we thought we could find, and then, you know, he'd get us to where we needed to go. John, you played a key part in James McDonald when he first set up in Australia and, and helping him on, on the way. And I, I was really taken by Brent, Brenton Avdala's comments yesterday in, in how grateful to you backing him. Do you, do you take good satisfaction in being able to support those type of jockeys and see them get the results? I just enjoy, you know... Sort of Progressive young men that are, that are work and women for that matter that are that are working hard and, and probably just need an opportunity. I think we're we're blessed in Sydney at the moment. We've got a couple of those sort of young riders. Um, you know, 12 months ago it was Rachel. Well, now she's sort of gone to a whole new level and doesn't need any. But now, you know, Brenton's a young fella and his brother-in-law Regan Bale is another one that I think has got immense potential. But you know, I think they just need to be afforded an opportunity. So. Um, uh, we work hard just to try and help them along the way and, and give them an opportunity. And, and I think, you know, Brenton showed that yesterday. He's more than capable. Baker, a couple of weeks ago, the trainer of Aegon, and we were saying that the horse will tell him 
where he will go, whether he'll be a Derby horse or a, a Doncaster horse. And I suppose Lions Raw is fitting into a similar category. You'll go to the Rose Hill Guineas and that run will probably tell you which path you head after that. I think that's for sure. I, I mean, you know, at the moment he's 10 to 1 in the Derby and $26 in the Doncaster. So there's a fair bit of market value in saying that he'll probably run in the Derby. But you know, I haven't ruled out sort of missing both and, and just going to the Queen Elizabeth because mm. I just think he's so effective at 10 furlongs and effective at Ramwick. So his home track, probably the better it is for him. So those will just give us a, a bit of an idea where we think we can fit in and what we can achieve and then we'll, we'll go from there. <clears throat> we, we spoke about the jockey, John, but the owners have also been you know, key part of, of your stable for a long time, and, and that was a satisfying part of the win as well for the champion thoroughbred. Just because Jason actually owns some of the horse himself, and you know he, he owns Rocket Clock, and he's got shares in some really nice horses, and has had shares in, in good horses with us in the past. So you know it's very rewarding for him and his family, and, and particularly champion thoroughbreds who, who exclusively have their horse in our stable, and they've got some you know nice. Obviously, um, that we've purchased since I came back to the public trainer. You better give mum and dad a mention as well this morning. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I just said after uh, I sort of help, and you know, when it comes time to divvying up the inheritance, it might help myself <laughs> there. That was a good uh, one. I liked it. They, they um, oh, mate, they're tragic. Man. You know, for them to be sitting over cans with a ten percent share and a, um, a Group One winner at Randwick, you know, it's sort of pinch yourself stuff. So but they got a big thrill out of it, and all their friends as well. So no, it's, it's great for them to do it for them as well. Just before you go, I'm not going to let you go without talking about this horse you produced on Wednesday, Lost and Running. <laughs> Pretty good. Well, he, he, he's been, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a progressive horse all the way, um, and every time we've stepped him out, uh, he's really given the clock a nudge, you know. So. Um, irrespective of what we think he does at home, he's sort of getting there and producing good figures whenever we step him out in public. Uh, but it's still important that we just go through his grades um, and, and season him and, and teach him to be a racehorse and, and learn to execute his race plans properly. So, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we'll hopefully he'll continue to enhance his, his value and, and, um, and we can get him into open company towards the end of the preparation. And he'd be a horse that see at the start of the, the Brisbane Winter Carnival and, um, you know, be, he, he's a very progressive horse, there's no doubting that. Yeah, 56.78 on the clock at, at Warwick Farm on Wednesday. John, thanks for your time this morning. Congratulations. Great to see you back in group winning form. No, cheers, boys. Uh, appreciate the support as always. There he is, John O'Shea. Draw. We've discussed the race itself. Let's go to the other group one. This was the Canterbury Stakes and the favourite in the race was Bivouac. Samadow trying to get a breather. Getting closer is Dreamforce and Savatiano. Inching closer now. Really keeping tab with the tabs with the two speedsters. Two lengths clear from Mitzi. And Wack is three or four lengths off them. Savatiano, runner-up last year. And the mare takes the lead. Savatiano, race two lengths clear from Mitzi. Bivouac's only grinding. Then came Madame Rouge and Mars Crusader. Savatiano in front. Mitzi goes to second. Savatiano a half in front. A neck in front. Mitzi loves think she just missed. It's a photo here. Savatiano and Mitzi with Mask Crusader charging in a third. Just in front of Bivouac followed by Dreamforce, Madame Rue Samadout. Further back to Dawn Passage and Victorum was last to finish. Savatiano got the judges nod from Mizzy and Mask Crusader. Uh, a son and father, Quinellering the race there, James and Anthony Cummings. Uh, it was a nail-biter. Vin Cox is joining us now on Past the Post. Did you think you'd won when they hit the line? 
Uh, well, yes, because with the, the uh, photo in um, uh, in Melbourne in the Australian Cup just beforehand had gone the other way, so yeah. it was our turn. So. And a career milestone for her yesterday. She's had a wonderful record, but this was really uh, the, the thing that, that counted. Absolutely. I mean, she's been a, a great servant for us over a long period of time and uh, five times Group 2 winner and, and now uh, adding a Group 1 Canterbury Stakes, no less, to a, to a CV. So uh, she's a very popular mare and um, we'll retire at the end of this season and um, send her to start. Was it always a, tr- a straightforward decision to, to train on this, this season, Vin, or was there consideration to retiring her at the oh, end of the last season? No, she sort of hit the radar to... To be retired uh, a number of times. Um, every time we we talk of it, she she bobs up with a with a magnificent win. So, um, going back to when she won the um, the hunt of up at Newcastle, uh, yeah, that's where she resur- resurrected herself one time, and um, then yeah, other campaigns as well. So, yeah, she's she's just been been fantastic, no. <laughs> Her win was because uh, she pulled out three wide outside that leading pair when they were really hiking along a fair way from home. So, you know, she responded very bravely in the straight. Oh, yeah, huge. Um, big effort. Her, her, her pattern generally is to be up on the lead. So, I mean, the fact that she didn't get to the lead uh, indicates how high. So, uh, no, you're exactly right there, David. Uh, Vin Bivouac fourth in the race. He's been beaten favourite twice this preparation. What should punters make of, of where he's at at the moment? Um, I, look, I wouldn't be uh, losing faith in the horse at all. Uh, the thousand metres lightning stakes, he was at his top the whole trip, and that's probably not not where where where, where he's ideal. He likes to sort of get into his rhythm and 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 just quicken off uh, you know, off his rhythm. Uh, yesterday he jumped in the area, over raced. He was a bit fierce. He was probably a little fresh. Um, yeah, disappointing that he's run um, the the. the the aim all campaign is, is to go to the TJ Smith and um, all being well there. Um, hopefully he wins there. We, we'll, we'll look at maybe going north, but um, we'll worry about that once we get to, to the TJ Smith. And just on Savatiano, of course, we've seen her here in Brisbane before. <coughs> There's so many uh, carnival. Is she likely to end her racing career up here? Uh, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, David. Uh, it's, it's a very good race, the Tats Tiara. Um, she has gone through that race before, but um, you know, she, she will have been up a fair while if we get that far. Mm. So it, she'll tell us whether she, need, whether she can get that far. Yeah, Golden Slipper means so much to uh, the breeding industry. You run a racing and breeding operation. The picture changed a little bit there yesterday, and all of a sudden Godolphin has a, a leading contender itself now in, in the shape of Animo. Yeah, well, funnily enough, we didn't think the picture had changed. We'd had a lot of faith in that colt. He's a, he's a very, very good horse and um, very confident that uh, that he'd run a nice race. Um, now, whether that was a nice fourth, a nice third, or, or even winning it, but, um, you know, he's a, he's a very, very good horse. And uh, our other colt, Ingratiating, um, is our other... You know, very realistic slipper chance runs next week in the Pago Pago. So, um, yeah, no, we're pretty excited to have horses like that and Bacchanalia this afternoon in the um, in the Black Opal. So um, we've got a few bullets to fire yet, and um, it's a it's nice to have three very very nice colts heading towards the Golden Slipper. Vin, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, always appreciate your participation. Thanks for your time, and another good day at the office yesterday. Good man, thank you, David. Thank you, Nathan. Look forward to talking soon. Ben Cox joining us there, talking about uh, Sabatiano. And um, wonderful record, isn't it, Nathan? That was her 13th win yesterday. She's been racing for four years and she's been uh, 
up and down the eastern <laughs> seaboard, even I think around in the Sangster. So uh, she's done extremely well. Yeah, but just sometimes, David, you have these horses and you think they're destined not to win a race like that. And mm. she'd had so many goes at Group 1 level previously, but she she found a right spot there there yesterday. Um, pretty good training performance from Anthony Cummings to get Mizzy back to, to that level. She'd time off. You know, it's been a long time since she's been at, at her best, that's for sure. But uh, kudos to Darren Flindell. I thought it was very close. Uh, in fact, from looking from afar, I thought Mizzy may have got there. Yeah, they were uh, they were they were tight finishes for most of the day. Mars Crusader's run was good as well. He wasn't that well away, but he hit the line. Well, he just wanted to get it all over and done with. Well, he looked he looked very awkward in the run, you know, racing fiercely when they were, when he was they were going hard up front, and, and he was wide as well. Yeah, he's a hard one to have pegged. Out of Newmarket last year, you think well he'll just dominate, and then he did the same thing in the Sprint Classic. In the, um, so whether he's now that he. He's a horse that just they, they compete for one run in a preparation. I guess we'll we'll find that out when he gets to the TJ Smith in a few weeks. We mentioned at the start that times were spectacular at Royal Rabbit yesterday, and number was so in the race we're going to listen to now. The Group Two Challenge Stakes, where Nature Strip was a dollar ninety-five. So Nature Strip rolls forward the outside and Nature Strip takes the lead away from Eduardo. The Odyssey in the third, then Space Boy, Written Beauty on the inside of Jungle Edge, then Splintex and Bella Vella is the last one. Will he show Grape Master there to take the lead? Nature Strip, he leads by Eduardo. Three further back to Space Boy, Written Beauty, six off. She's trying her heart out. It's Nature Strip below the 200. A half, three quarters on Eduardo. Nature Strip in front of Eduardo is in for it. Nature Strip still in front from Eduardo. Nature Strip. Eduardo lunged on the line. It's close. Oh, sure. Eduardo made the final dive there at Nature Strip. A good gap back to Bella Vella third, followed by Splintex, Space Boy, Written Beauty, and a gap back to Jungle Edge and the Odyssey. Darren painted a very good picture there because that was exactly what happened all the way up the straight. You thought that Nature Strip had the edge because he actually had the edge. But Eduardo just kept pegging away, pegging away, and got there on the line to win by nose. I know, Nathan, as a, a fellow putter, there's nothing worse than seeing if you're on the horse on the inside <laughs> with a horse on the outside that's like about a half length in front of monstering you, and you never win. So, Eduardo, this was brave to the extreme. But equally, David, it's a sick feeling when you're on the one on the outside and you think you've got the inside one beaten and all of a sudden it does climb off the canvas. The, the betting, David, suggested that Nature Strip was going to be vulnerable in that race yesterday. He was, I think he was $1.40 odd early in the week. Ended up SPing 195 but the market got it wrong in terms of which one they, they came to for to, to beat him. Written Beauty wasn't up to it, but she has been at $3.10. Like, that's very, very close for a, for a horse like Ridden Beauty with her record to be 310 versus Nature Strip in a race like that. And they got it wrong, but they got it right that he was vulnerable in Nature Strip. He didn't begin brilliantly, Nature Strip, and then uh, McDonald just allowed him to cruise up, and that's the way you have to ride him. So he got outside of Eduardo. I saw one, one section come up. It might have been between the 800 or the 600 or the 600 and the 9.83. I can't remember seeing a 10-second... Uh, I, I can't remember seeing a broken... And some of it, if you combine some of his splits, uh, Nature Strip, they're just extraordinary. But in saying that, uh, it wasn't like he was out two legs around. So Eduardo's got a got a share in some of the plaudits there as well. So this was a this was a fantastic speed deal, a race of its type I haven't seen for some time. No, great, great spectacle for, for certain. And 
we know Eduardo, he went he went too quick in the, in the Everest and they were bitterly disappointed there, but he did have a good spring campaign, he's gone on with it. I think it would be an interesting topic to discuss maybe with Jared Daffy one time, David, on, on horses that have been good for bookmakers and Nature's Trip would have to come high up there, I would think. I think I saw a stat from Ray Thomas. I just haven't got it at hand at the moment how many times he has started favourite, but I suppose from a putter's point of view, how many times he's been beaten. But, uh, oh, look, yesterday... He still wins 50% of the time. Yeah, yesterday you, you couldn't be dirty. Oh, well, I suppose you're dirty if you do your money, but you couldn't be dirty on him yesterday. His no. run was outstanding. It was a race that probably they both deserved to win, but in the end, the nod went to Eduardo. Let's turn our attention now to this Golden Slipper. It's coming up in two weeks' time. Two more key lead-ups yesterday. Let's go firstly to the Todman. This was a race we were waiting to see. We thought it would shape Gollans to my favouritism. It's Profiteer at the 300 metres. Home Affairs, the inside from direct. Animo into the clear. Then came Remark. Stay inside's got nowhere to go. Profiteer in front. A half on Home Affairs. Animo starting to lengthen in the middle. It's Profiteer and Animo the outside. Profiteer, Animo, Animo went home best. Animo, first go in Sydney. Knocked off Profiteer right on the line. Then Home Affairs and the luckless stay inside. Further back to Remark, direct at Alpine Edge. Animo is now $9 for the Golden Slipper after producing a strong finish. Rachel King riding for Godolphin, uh, beating Profiteer, uh, who looked to go keenly in front. The sectional breakdown probably doesn't entirely back up that, that, that school of thought or that theory. They went 1.8.54, but times were quick all day. Home in 33.89. So uh, he broke 35. Home affairs solid in third. Stay inside. Held up between what about the 400 and the 250, and by then got out, followed at a moment, the race was over. Yeah, you said they run quick times all day, but still, for a two year old to be running 185, and the Phillies went 1927 35 minutes later. So I think it's very significant. If you look through the history of you know, Todman winners who run really quick time, they've got a good record in the Golden Slipper. Um, I think it's still the right race for for the Golden Slipper. It's just a matter of which one we come up with because you could make a couple of excuses, David. As, as we said at the start of the show, uh, we were thinking, let's go back in time. It was um, Profiteer and Enthar. Then Enthar fell by the wayside of the yeah. Blue Diamond. Then it was a Profiteer and Stay Inside. Well, they're still there. In fact, they had the markets at $5 and $6. But listening this morning, Artorius is now a game player. It's at $8. Animo certainly a game player at nine dollars. So this this uh, race, I think, is is the narrative's changing week to week. But there's only two weeks to go now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great race every year. Oh, I I liked what Profiteer did yesterday. I thought he might compound more over twelve hundred metres, but he just kept finding fighting. And I I would think that he'll be better now for having had that run over twelve hundred metres. And just I think he's hard to beat still, David. Even though he was rolled yesterday at the short price. Let's tap into our final replay. This was the Riesling for the two-year-old fillies and a filly open affair. They race to the turn and Glistening shows the way by a half-length on Joyous Legend. Sliders in third position inside Pretty Woman and deeper out Ruby Kessers. Further back to Gustard, then Vianello, Testimonial. A length off to Swift Witness, then Flying Witness, the rails from Chill. And Trefarchir is still back last, turning for home. And Glistening in front by a half on Joyous Legend. Sliders locked up, Pretty Woman locked up. Then came Ruby Kessers, Testimonial into the clear, starting to find the line well. Then came 
Vegas starts. Swift Witness and chill down the outside, but Glistening shows great acceleration. Swift Witness coming out of the pack with a big run late. Glistening in front of Swift Witness. Glistening, Swift Witness, dive cut. Very close there, Glistening and the fast finishing Swift Witness. Trefarcher charged home into third, followed by Sliders. Then came Testimonial from Flying Witness. Further back to Vianello, Joyous Legend. Then Ruby Kisses, Pretty Woman, Not Much Luck from Chill. And Gestard was about the last to finish. Richard and Michael Freeman won a race at Eagle Farm yesterday with Dinardo, but uh, they won the Riesling here with Glistening, able to set up shop in front, dictate the terms. They ran home the same, virtually the same sectional, 33.86, but as you said before, Nathan, the overall time a little slower, 19.27. The run that caught my eye was the third horse, Trafarcia, didn't it storm to the line? Yeah, it did, but it just seems the Phillies are a notch below the boys mm. this season, David, with the first five home in the Blue Diamond were all uh, males. Um, and in the two heats we've had the last two weeks in Sydney, um, the, the boys have looked superior um, both times. So you know, the Phillies have got a great record in the slipper, but you'd think this year it's the, the boys' turn. Well, that was Royal Rammer yesterday. As we outlined, of course, next Saturday, All-Star Mile Day at Mooney Valley and it's Coolmore Classic Day at Rose Hill Gardens. Let's take a break on Past the Post. Thanks for your company this morning. We'll come back and listen to a few of the, the replays at Eagle Farm yesterday. Past the Post on Radio Tab. A good four-track at Eagle Farm yesterday. Our first replay is the last race of the day. Georgie's Pride was the favourite, but an easing favourite at $2.90. Georgie's Pride is making every post a winning post. Has she gone fast to be able to do it all of the way? Can she burn the candle at both ends? Leads clearly from Harlequin Field. Tara Jasmine being called upon. Then Boomeringer. Where's back when? Back of the ruck making heavy weather of it. Jimmy Bird happy to ride hands and heels with Georgie's Pride. They're down below the 200 metres. It's nicely clear. Tara Jasmine now starts to eat into the margin, but it's Georgie's Pride in front. Georgie's Pride going great guns and the favourite all the way. Beat home. Back when who flew for second. Third Tara Jasmine. Fourth Bold and Lucy. Then came Pucko, Linthorpe Lad, Harlequin, Field, Beg Me, Boomeranger, Zuzu Kakanakis, an unlikely occurrence, whipped them in. Georgie's pride all the way. She's going great guns, isn't she? She resumed with a, a win in a strong class one at Eagle Farm at the 1200. She backed up and won at the track and trip then. She ran uh, second behind Miami Flies at Dooman. And Miami Flies, of course, will be seeing her next Saturday at Aquas Park Gold Coast in the Jewel. But uh, yesterday, 59 kilos, 1,400 metres, uh, no drama, uh, taking the lead and dominant in the straight. Yeah, she's building a really good record now. And, look, I thought the 59 might be a little issue for her. You, you had no such concerns. And you know, she was a level above them to, you know, you don't see an awful lot of horses, David, the way Eagle Farmers these days go out like that and and, and keep running. And, um, you know, I thought it was a terrific win. You've got a bit of pull at the BRC. Now, I want you to do something no, for me. I wouldn't think so. This will be your... Just write this down for the first job. We need a sectional timer at Eagle Farm because I'll tell you why. I'm starting to get confused, and I think others are as well. When you watch that race visually, there were gaps between the runners. There was probably 12 to 13 lengths first to last. She was about three or four in front. You thought they were going quickly. It visually mm. looked that way. Then I look at the, the sectional breakdown. They went 124.36... Home in 35.24, they went the first half mile in a tick over 49. But it looked quicker than that, didn't it? Yeah, but if you compare it to the previous race, she's gone, what, um, 
second quicker than them for that first through that first section than than those older horses. So. Uh, times are a little tricky to work out at Eagle Farm these days, but I'll I'll take that on board, David, and uh, and we'll see what we can come up with. I'm not I'm not blowing up about the times. I'm just I'm just saying if we had that sectional time like we do at mm. Doom and Deep, oh, switch all the other tracks, we can we can do something. So I imagine that'll be right for the next meeting at Eagle Farm in two weeks. <laughs> That's good to hear. Good on you. Well, now, I know I know punters love you uh, when when you're at Doom and giving out the early sectionals. Let's go to race seven. I mentioned Richard and Michael Friedman will able to four here with Dinardo. Here's the replay. Upon straightening, 4.50 left to Rana. Champagnati hard against the rails, went for Homer. Dinardo pulled to the outside to give chase. Then Mashani's secret couldn't refuse, make Donna. Joymaker starts to run down the outside. Hallowed Girl looked to be too far back. Soon afterwards, Dinardo on the outside, given its cue. Raced up and hit the lead from Champagnati. Joymaker from the back running on. Dinardo in front. Joymaker flashing, but too late. And Dinardo got the money, beat Champagnati. Joymaker, make Donna and Guy. Then Mashani Secret, Stardome, couldn't refuse. Then Master Short and Hallowed Girl, out of character today, didn't pass a horse and ran last. Yes, she was uh, very disappointing, Hallowed Girl. We'd normally expect her forte as her late finish, but there was no late finish at all. There was no finish uh, at all. She she finished last, so maybe something amiss there. Richard and Michael Freeman are making a happy knack of picking out the right races for horses that might just be struggling a little in Sydney. They did it with Express Princess about three weeks ago at Doombin. Yes. And uh, they've done the same with Dinata yesterday, despite arriving under the Freeman banner with, with Sydney form, was a $16 chance. Yeah, and just another example of you and I not being smart enough, David. I think we both said this was a field job in the, in the quaddy, but neither of us was clever enough to, to find the winner. The quaddy paid well yesterday. When you consider Royal Hale was nearly favourite, Ren's Day was favourite, Georgie's Pride was favourite, but Dinardo put the, the value in and paid $911.60 on uh, on our tab. Let's go to race eight. And this was a leg of the quaddy. Ren's Day was the winner here. Uh, started short and won with authority. Running up to the turn, 500 left to Rana. Rari's had a butte run in front. Leads racing Paradise and Golly Hunter, then Rebel Salute taking it inside Rana. Red Bloom trying to thread the needle. Ren's Day coming down the outside. Kubrick not doing enough for the moment. Then came Rains of Plenty. On the outside, though, Ren's Day raced up and hit the lead. Golly Hunt tries to go with it. Rari's run its race. Then racing Paradise, Red Bloom. But Ren's Day, Ren's Day bursting clear. The favourite is too good for them. And Ren's Day shot clear and won by two and a half. Golly Hunt second, Red Bloom third, Photo fourth, Racing Paradise or Rari. Kubrick did nothing and then Rebel Salute and Reigns are plenty out towards the tail. Where does this horse sit in the whole scheme of things? He, he wins a Class 3 yesterday, but he's going to go beyond that. But how far do you think? Well, I'm not sure. Originally, they bought him, David, the Australian bloodstock, bought him to be aimed at a country championships. Um, that's where he ended up in Cody Morgan's stable. But then the rules changed subsequent to them purchasing him. So everything had geared, been geared towards getting him to that country championships uh, in, over the championships. Um, so they've had to change tack a little. So, I mean, he's going to be, prove a pretty good buyer, I would think, because his win count is low, so he can keep picking off these races here in Brisbane, the plate races. Um, and he'll get through to open company without a shadow of a doubt. And I would think even further down the, the, the track, he, he'll be a stakes horse. Yeah, exactly right. Um, good turn of speed there, as we pointed out before, that last 600, And he was a, a fair way off them at the 600 metre mark. So he's given or delivered a good sectional. Our final replay is the first race. 
for the two-year-olds and the Stiffmeister was the favourite at $2.60. Running up to the turn, and the leader was Mashani Delider. 1300 for the first time, but going well into the straight. Yangari being pumped along, so too is hinged. Then legalese, the Stiffmeister being called upon. But Mashani Delight's got a handy break as they travel down towards the 200 metres. Hinged is trying to raise another effort, and now legalese and the Stiffmeister make their runs together. They got to Mashani Delight. Hinged briefly took the front. After it, legalese, the Stiffmeister out wider. Hinged in front, trying to hang on. The Stiffmeister came at it. Photo finish. Hinged on the Stiffmeister. The big guns have fought it out. Legally, third, Yangari fourth. Then came our hot friend, Gypsy Isle. Mashani the line weakening. And Craigley Banner just coming down the straight. Photo finish to the first. Yeah, the Stiffmeister got the judges' nod. Michael Rod riding the first two winners, beating Hinged and Legalese third. Uh, good day for Stuart Kendrick. Celebrated his 50th birthday yesterday. A big party last night. So uh, the Stiffmeister was uh, a good way to kick off the, the day for him. Yeah, they look like they're going to have a fair bit of fun with him, don't they? He showed good potential on debut, and you'd think he'll, he'll get, get over further than the, the 1,300 metres, David. Well, that was Eagle Farm yesterday. Nathan, thanks for your time this morning. We'll chat soon. Look forward to it, David. Cheers. Nathan X will be joining us this morning on Past the Post.